Welcome to the Family OS Podcast. I'm Kate. And I'm Tanner. We're obsessed with creating the family life we desire, and we call it the Family Operating System. Join us each week to learn how to improve communication, be in control of your future, and love life. Welcome to the Family OS Podcast. My name is Kate, and I'm here with such a great friend, someone I've known now over the past year plus through uh, a mastermind that um, Tanner and I are a part of called Adventure Reach with Pete Vargas. A uh, big shout out to hey. Vargas, uh, Dr. Cam Caswell. Thank you so much for being a part of our episode today. Uh, Dr. Cam is what we call the teen translator. I love that. Um, you are a specialist in adolescent psychology, a family success coach. You host the Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam podcast. Uh, you also um, are the author of Power Phrases for Parents, the teen edition. I love this. Teens, man, they're a whole breed <laughs> of their own. So <laughs> you, are, are. <laughs> you are specializing in this. So this is good stuff. Um, but for over a decade now, you've been helping parents build strong, positive relationships with their teens through improved communication, connection, and understanding using your prime parenting method. So we're going to get into that. Uh, you are a mom of a teen. I so am. Have experience. Um, so we're going to get into this. Dr. Cam, thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh, Kate, thank you for having me. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, this is going to be good. So, um, so we've got, you know, our audience, um, certainly Tanner and I, we focus on um, the toddler stage, even, you know, preteen, and we're going to get into that. So for those, you know, listening who are like, I don't have a teenager, we'll, we'll touch base on, on the younger kids, but let's talk first on your story and how, you know, you got to where you are in helping teens, because this was, this was sort of almost like a thing that you're like, I gotta, I gotta do this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you look back and you go, wait, how did, how did this become my passion? Right. right? Because yeah. I am, I eat, sleep and breathe this. And it's yeah. just so part of my life. And I look back and I, it, it really goes back to when I was a teen and I felt so misunderstood. Um, my connection with my mom was not good. I mean, we, we get along great now. She's, she's dear friend of mine now. When I was a teenager, not good. Um, and I just felt completely lost. And I, I just always, that kind of has stuck with me for a long time. And then I started teaching adolescent psychology. And I remember having several of my students were also parents and they would start coming up to me saying, Dr. Cam, what we're learning in this class is changing our relationship with our teens because we get them now. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, this information, because I hadn't known it before. And I thought, well, maybe because I wasn't a parent at the time, I didn't know it, but there's all these parents that didn't know this information either. And I'm like, this information is life changing. Yeah. Because we go into this experience with our teens with zero knowledge on how the teens work. Yeah, we were teens, but even then we didn't know how we worked or why we did what we did. And teens right. sucked. So all we do is have this memory that's really co coded in negative feelings, right? Mm -hmm. And so teenagers trigger us as adults because we don't understand them. And so all of a sudden when people were understanding them, they're like, okay, they're not so bad. In <laughs> fact, they're actually kind of fun. 
when you understand them and you yeah. work with them. And then I was, I was in a whole different field, but people started finding out what I was doing. And I started helping people I knew, friends, coworkers with their teens. And it got to the point where people would come knocking on my door, not because of the business, but because they needed help with their teenagers. And then they would come back later and go, oh my God, what you told me was thank you. Yeah. And I'm like, this stuff is awesome. And this is fun. Right. And I just started getting more and more into it and then turned it into my career. And now I'm a mom of a teen too. So I can say, I get it. Yeah. You know, it's not like just theory. I live this every single day. And believe me, my teen lets me know if I've got it wrong. (laughs) I know those kids, man, they are so honest, no matter what age they are. And I appreciate it because I know what I, you know, I've tested on her first. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love the story because, um, you, you come from this place that it just organically happened and, there's just this underlining passion that comes through on all of it. And to see how just the, the, the simple things that you, you learned, you shared with others and like what great benefit that they, they got. I mean, what a great feeling to know, like I'm, I'm helping these families, right. It's so empowering. It is. It's amazing. And I think not just the parents, but the teenagers, that I'm able to help. And I've been mentoring teens for a, for a decade or so, and they still text me and come back and hang out. And just the ability to um, understand them and talk to them. They, mm. they're the ones that teach me now. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And it's so true, right? Kids really yeah. do teach you so much. I'm I'm learning a ton about myself as I parent (laughs) my, my toddler. So, uh, yeah. Um, so let's talk about, um, your prime parenting method, share with the audience a little bit about what this means and, and what you do with, um, working with your clients. Yeah, absolutely. So what this is, is I just broke down what I was teaching people and what I was walking my clients through. And even what I do Because I was like, what exactly, how am I approaching this? Because every teen is different. Every parent's different. Every situation's different. So it's not like, here, do this. So this method actually breaks down the steps on how you can address any issue, not just with your teen, with any person, um, but this really breaks it down. And so um, the P, it's an acronym. I love acronyms. Everything I do, I create an acronym around it because it helps me remember it. So the P is for the problem. And what I find is a lot of people focus on behaviors and they want to stop behavior. My, my teen's anxious. My teen's disrespectful. My teen's lazy. Those aren't solvable problems. Mm. Those are big old vague complaints that we can't address and our teens certainly can't address. So I focus on what exactly are you having an issue with? Do you not like that they roll their eyes at you when you talk? Do they stomp their feet and have a fit every time you ask them to put their phone down? Like what exactly is this problem? And we get detailed, you know, like what is it? And the other thing, reason I do this is because we tend to just find problems in everything and kids tell me all the time, I can't do anything right. So why even bother? Yeah. Because we focus on everything. And so this really helps parents prioritize what exactly is the problem 
that they're looking at and what is really a problem and what's just them feeling annoyed in the moment. That's really not an issue that they can probably let go of. Let go of, right? Yeah. Yeah. Then we get to the R, which is the reason. And behavior is a symptom. It is not the problem. It's a symptom of something going on underneath. So I teach parents four main reasons teens act out. And once we understand why they're behaving that way and we address that, the behavior disappears just like the red light on your dashboard goes off when you fix the engine, Yeah. right? (laughs) Now it's no longer needed. It goes away. So we address that. Then we get into the I, which is what's our intention? What do we actually want? And this is about the long term. What are we trying to teach our kids? Are we just trying to stop them in the moment, which often is counters what we're trying to teach them, right? So what's our intention? Then we get into mindset. This is a big one. And this is the one where we're going to dig in to the parents of kids that aren't teens yet, because this is what you can start working on now is the mindset. How many people do you know who are parents that have babies and are already going, oh my God, I'm going to love them now because when they're a teen, they're going to hate me. It's going to suck when they're a teen. They are three years old. They're rolling their eyes. Oh my God. These teen years are like, we go into adolescent years already prepared for the worst. And guess what we get? The worst, the worst, the worst. And we view adolescents in this really negative way. And we interact with them in this negative way. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. So when we change the way we view our teens as they're doing the best they can, they need our help changes. And Mm -hmm. after all of that is in place. Then we get to empowering our teens, which mm-hmm. is teaching them. This is when the boundaries and consequences come in. This is when all of these things come in. Most parents want to jump right to that without having any of this other stuff in place. And that's why they don't work. I mean, it's like most things in life, right? We just want to get to the end result. We and do. no one wants to do the work in between. No. Oh, I'm 20 pounds. We're, let me just pop a pill then, yeah. you know, rather than like, hey, maybe I should change right. my diet. Maybe I should understand why I'm eating 10 cookies a day and not exercising. Like, I, yeah. I mean, all of this has underlining things that go it on. Does. Um, whether we're talking about dealing with teens or anything else. Anything else. And that's why I'm saying a lot of this is about setting that groundwork because if we just go right to, because parents will be like, how do I set up, you know, how do I set up rules and what punishments should I use? I'm like, no, 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 no. Like let's step way back here because if we go right into that, you're creating more problems. You're just, you're just digging your hole right now. And you're, you're not resolving anything. You're creating more conflict and more disconnection. And you're going to have a bigger hole to dig out unless you stop right now and lay this groundwork. Yeah. You mentioned that there are four reasons why kids are going to act out. So what are those four reasons? Yeah. So I, I actually liken it to a car. Um, and this is because I have terrible car issues because I don't pay attention to my car and wait till, you know, the last minute. So there's really, you the leave four- the light on, right? <laughs> I do. I leave the light. So there's really four reasons. And the first one is weak breaks, which is brain development. So the teens are really, um, their amygdala, their fight or flight is highly functioning at this point. And the prefrontal cortex, the logic, decision-making impulse control, that's last to mature. So they need time to slow down. They need time to be able to control their emotions. And they also need time to process information. That part is a lot slower. Um, And we get 
you know, we get anxious about that. We get impatient. And that's a, that's a part of the brain that's not fully developed until like almost 25. Right. Right. So, right? so I mean, it, like, it, this is not just like kids. I mean, you get this even into it's know, right. College. It's 20, it's 25. And it's interesting. I was actually just talking to a neuroscientist this morning and asking him questions. Cause I'm like, there's still things I don't understand. And it was fascinating to hear his perspective on this too, because there's a lot of information out there. And what does that mean? And I was even saying, what does that mean that it's not developed? And he's like, well, it is developed. It's not mature yet. And mm-hmm. so the connections, which is really would get into like the myelin and everything else that creates faster processing. It's not processing fast yet. Yeah. Okay. The other really interesting piece that, that I was kind of understanding is that we're going through actually pruning. And here's, what's really interesting about this is what we teach our kids and parents with younger kids. This is really important for you because you are now can prevent some of this happening. What happens is teens who have not used skills like emotion regulation, cleaning up after themselves, doing any of these things because us parents jump in and do it for them, they don't have the skills, they lose those connections. They lose the ability to do that. So a lot of older teens who never had the opportunity to develop these skills, which requires them making bad choices and failing because that's how they learn, letting them do that is actually what's going to prevent them from being a total pain in the butt when they get older because they've learned the skills that we're frustrated they don't have. Mm, wow. We need to develop them. Right. So that is the, the weak breaks. The other one, another one is the low battery. Okay. Um, we have bad days. We're exhausted, right? When we're exhausted, we just want to go upstairs and we don't want anyone to talk to us. But when our teens have bad days, they come up and we're at the ready with, did you do your homework? Did you do your chores? You need to do this. You need to do that. And they lose it because they're exhausted. They've got nothing left, right? So it's really being able to make sure they've got opportunities to charge their battery too. Okay. Um, Empty tank. And this is a really big one. This is, what is your connection with them? What is this? We we sacrifice our connection with our teens in order to correct and and put boundaries and consequences and all these things in place. And we sacrifice the most important thing, which is our connection with them. And so an empty tank is really, have you, have your interactions with your teen been mostly negative or have they been positive? We need four times more positive interaction than negative. Yeah. To balance. I had, um, so recently, uh, Tanner and I were, were talking with our therapists and she just keeps us straight. We, we like having her outside perspective and she said, make your nose stand out, which means you need to have more yeses. If it's really something that like, you can't, you know, like it's okay. Just let it go. You know, just make your nose stand out because when there's a lot of yeses and there's a lot of like, okay, do it, figure it out. Let them do it. Like then when you say no, it's like, Oh wait, you know, hang on a second. What did mom mom and dad say? So that's kind of, you know, it is so true. And you can even use yeses in a way to say no, which I love. I, I always can encourage people to leave with a yet lead with a yes. And for example, your kid hasn't done homework and they're asking to go out with their friends. Instead of going, no, you haven't done your homework yet. You say, absolutely. Yes. As soon as your homework's done, I would love for you to go out with your friends. Right. 
changes the whole dynamic. Now they're like, okay, instead of like, because kids hear no, 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 no. And then we wonder why we have such a negative mindset. Right. Right. And it really does start like as soon as they are crawling. Oh gosh. I mean, right. So you're hearing no from such an early age. Yep. Uh, when the brain is developing yep. and, uh, yeah. So, so make those, make those yeses, the, the positive, I, uh, negative. Yes. uh, okay. So, the, and then what's the fourth one. And then the fourth one is poor directions. Okay. And so this is, and I always, I, I don't know if you've watched the office, but my, one of my favorite office episodes is when they're listening to the GPS and, um, Michael and Dwight go right in, he drives right into the lake and Dwight's like yelling, what are you doing? He's like, this is where it's telling me to go. And Michael drives right in the lake, right? Cause the directions we're telling them to, we often drive our kids into the lake because we think our directions are really clear and they're not. Mm. And so we're setting them up to fail. Because we're our expectations and what we're assuming they know or get. A good example of this is when we say, you know, go, go do your homework and they're playing their video game and we come back and they're still not doing it or, you know, pick up your room and they still haven't done it. We mean drop what you're doing right this second and go do it right now. They hear when you feel like it and you're done with what you need to do, right? Because that makes sense to them then you'll do it. So when we get upset and we start micromanaging, they're like, you're not giving me a chance. Right. And then conflict. So poor directions. I I like this one. It reminds me of um, a lot of what I'm, I'm dealing with uh, and just going through with my stepdaughter, because um, I'll say, um, you know, just an example of, uh, you know, doing some kind of chore or like asking her to do something, the dishwasher, um, Hey, you know, can you, can you bring, can you, can you empty out the dishwasher? Or can you bring your shoes upstairs? And she doesn't, you know, I, I don't give her anything specific as far as when I want that done, mm-hmm. or, uh, you have, you know, you have 20 more minutes to finish your show. And then I want you to go empty the dishwasher, you know, like, so now I've learned that I need to be very specific on time with her. And especially at that age too, because yeah they don't have a concept of time. My, my toddler, my three-year-old right now, everything has happened last night. Every, oh yes. Mm-hmm. So everything is last night or, yeah. and sometimes on Saturday. So <laughs> like, that's all, like, that's all I get out of her. You know? That's the past. That's, that's right? their it's, concept of past. Time. Right. Yep. yep. And, and it, I mean, it makes us laugh too. Cause we're like, man, we did a lot last night. <laughs> like a lot's going on. Um, and it's so, right. It's so cute out of a three-year-old, but you know, then they get older and then they're, you know, it's not so cute and you're just frustrated. So yeah. So having those specifics in place really does, uh, I mean, it just, it's a totally different ball game. Like now I've, and I've been implementing time, um, with Charlotte, who's three, almost four. Um, and I'm like, well, why wouldn't I do this with Emma? Who's like, you know, 11, you know, going to be 11. I'm like, of course she would need help understanding the concept of time. She doesn't still know time, um, to, to an adult degree. Um, wow. it's not at, uh, a toddler, you know, level, but she still needs help. So, and it was just something that I was like, oh, okay, thanks for letting me know. Now I'll do it differently. Um, and, and it's really been helpful. It's made, it's, it's a game changer now. Cause now she's like, okay, I know when, you know, the timer goes off or when this show is over or when, you know, whatever that looks like, she's, she's going to go do what I've asked her to do. And, and then it's not a battle. 
And you know, it's amazing. There's a few things there too. So first of all, teens, kid, all kids, they don't like to get in trouble. They don't like to have us upset with them. They want us to be acknowledged and be happy with what they do. And when they feel like they're being set up to not to disappoint us, that's when they get really frustrated and we set them up to disappoint us a lot. Yeah. And then they get very upset. And, and that's, and so the other thing that I love that you said is, you know, with Charlotte, it's cute when she doesn't know how to do something. Right. And you're like, Oh, let me help. Problem with teens is it's not so cute, but I, I, what you just said is what I teach parents all the time is think about it. Like your kids learning to walk when they're babies and they're learning to walk, they're terrible at it. They're falling over. They're bumping into things. We just pick them up. We encourage them. Well, our teens are learning things like emotion regulation and problem solving and all of these things that we get frustrated with them when they don't do well. But it's like they're learning to walk. If we just get angry at them because they don't do it well, it's like yelling at our toddler when they don't walk well. And I want people to think about that because they're learning how. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Uh, this is another thing that uh, something you said earlier that made me think of it is like, go clean up your room. Well, but do they, what does that mean? I mean, yeah. I, and, and I actually had to learn that um, really from watching my sister and how like she was, you know, just hearing her say it and then seeing the results of her three children and like how they all did it differently. Yeah. And, and I'm like, oh, you actually have to show them how to clean up their room. They don't know. Right. Like, and so, and of course everyone cleans up differently. I clean up differently than my husband cleans up, you know? And so we're going to, you know, we're going to obviously have different ways to, to show them how to do things. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, so just setting them up for success, understanding that they're learning these things for the first time and you know, how much better would it be if you could show them how to do things a few times so that they get it, you know, and they start to understand, oh, this is how it's done, or we do it this way, or, you know, rather, and then, and then it's, and then it's learned, right? It's then becoming alert. It's a learned behavior that they understand. And rather than just, you know, saying it to them once or, or, or vaguely a million times and still being frustrated with the results, right? Like giving them that, those specifics. Um, And here, here's a little trick to throw in there too. That's really, that's really wild is that a lot of parents complain because their kids don't want to help out. They're Mm -hmm. lazy. They don't want to help out. Well, two things here. First of all, it's not that they're lazy. They just could care less if the dishwasher's empty. I mean, it means nothing. We can't make them care. So we can't get upset that they don't care because we didn't care either then, right? right? The second thing is when you set it up, like you were saying, when you set it up so that they are going to succeed at it, then it feels good. And now we've wrapped chores and helping out around the house with a feeling of success and accomplishment and acknowledgement and feeling good about themselves. And guess what? When we wrap it around that, they want to help. Yeah. They want to help. Yeah. When we set it up as being this negative thing and we're going to point out everything they did wrong and we're making them quit this and we're upset that they don't like, we don't like their attitude about it. And it's this whole negative thing. Well, no, why would they want to do that? It's like 
terrible. The whole we don't, experience We as horrible. adults don't even want that, right? I mean, I think if you're at the office and your boss is approaching it in a positive way or a negative way, like how are we going to respond? You know, Correct. It, it, it's just human nature. It is uh, human yeah. nature. We expect our teens to defy human nature every, all the time. Yeah. And that's yeah. why we get frustrated. Why do you think we do that? I don't know. Okay. I, I No, I do. I, I think we do it because there's this, there's this sense of, I don't even know where this comes from. It may come because when we were teenagers, we felt frustrated and kind of controlled by our parents. And I think we have this expectation because when our kids were little, they obeyed, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of how the role was, give or take, right? right? But we expected them to obey. Teens are now their own self-thinking adults, which is good. We want them to think for themselves. We want them to be individuals. That means obeying is not something that they do. Humans, right. we don't like obeying. I mean, look at how people react when the government tells us to do something. Everyone's up in arms. That's you're against my rights. It's the same thing. Like, right. and us adults feel like parents feel like, hey, it's my house. You go by my rules. You do my thing. You do what I tell you to do. And we still expect this level of obedience. And we get upset with them when they resist it. But that's defying human nature to expect them to obey without any questions and without anything where our expectations are now beyond what human nature would dictate. And the human nature has been around for what, 2.5 million yeah. years. Yeah. So we're trying to have them act differently than even we would act yeah. in that situation. And so I think it's to stop and go, okay, wait a second. How would I respond if someone said it to me in this way? And yeah, they're going to respond that way. Yeah. I think of that. Um, so I think of from, from uh, a younger, you know, toddler, those, those earlier years of when they're, they're upset, they're throwing a tantrum or, you know, and, and sure, sometimes maybe it's part of misbehaving, you know, they're hitting, they're hitting the dog. I mean, Charlotte is notorious for just beating up on the dog. Uh, it, you know, just, yeah, learning how, and now David too, my, um, almost what, uh, actually almost two-year-old, um, he's now in this thing. Like he just, he's got such an arm. He's definitely got an innate talent for like something with sports and balls, like soccer, baseball, basketball. I don't know something because he kicks balls and throws balls all over the place, but I'll throw it like literally right into your face. And I'll just like, woof. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh my, <laughs> you know, or just take his hand and just like smack you. And so of course, you know, you have to start teaching, you're teaching them the boundaries, right? They're learning what they can do. And, um, and then the boundaries and like what's, you know, good behavior, kind behavior yeah. um, and, and not hitting and things like that. Um, but but Charlotte is um, I totally went on a tangent. I don't even remember where my question went, um, but she but she she definitely has this um, uh, this this way of just throwing a tantrum. And so when mm -hmm. she throws her tantrum, um, this is where I was going to go, is a lot of times then she just like many parents will just put their kid off and like, go to your room, go stand in a corner, you know, and leave them alone. And if we were as adults came home and had a bad day or now for teens, right. They come home from school, you know, many are, are back in person, like, right. So they're, they're coming, they're having a bad day and they're, they're, they are being somewhat defiant or they're being snippy and talking back. Right. Yeah. Don't, we do, don't we do that? What if our spouse said, you know what? 
go to your room. I don't want to deal with you. And rather you'd really want your spouse to just say, Hey, are you okay? Like you need a hug. What happened today? Like what happened that you're so upset? You know, like, wouldn't we want someone to just help us through the emotion that we're feeling? Why do we do? Why don't we do that with our kids? We make it about ourselves. Yeah. We make it about us and not them. Yeah. And that's, and I think that's like a really, really just major point, you know, in our, in our conversation today is like, it's about your kids. Like you, as a parent, we want our kids to thrive and to be confident and independent and kind and be an asset to society, right? Like we just, we want them to, to be able to go off and, and live their life um, well. So we have to make it about them. What is it that makes them successful? Like what's going to make them successful, right? And that's, you know, a lot of what we're doing in, in Family OS is like updating these operating systems, right? Because we're doing things that like our parents did, our grandparents, past generations, and not all of it is bad, but some of it just doesn't necessarily work anymore. And so mm-hmm. that's okay. You know, like, let's just update it a little bit, maybe make a tweak to it um, yeah. so that we can really see a thriving marriage, but a, you know, a thriving, um, family and that, and that dynamic with kids. So, so what could, um, what could parents do who have the younger kids, right? So I'm, I got a preteen, you know, my stepdaughter's a preteen, um, but I've got the toddlers. So, you know, and you talked a little bit about priming and stuff. So what are some of the things that we can do with those younger children to help set us up for success and having that healthy relationship. Absolutely. So the first thing I would recommend people do is to start reframing how you think about adolescence. Because if you're thinking about it as they're going to be defiant, they're going to be disrespectful, they're going to be hard. We're basically creating that experience. Instead, I would encourage people to look at it like this is a really amazing period of time. And I think already people are probably going, what? Because we're so trained not to believe that. We are so ingrained in us that we don't even question it. And I'm saying question it because it's not true. I work with teens all the time. They're passionate. They're thoughtful. They're all of these things when they're heard. Mm -hmm. And so if we go into it with this, this is a really cool period of time. This is when they're learning who they are. This is a time where we can help them explore who they are and learn to accept them for and, and be curious about who they become instead of worried about fitting them into the box and having them obey and, you know, things change. And this is not about letting them just do whatever they want. Cause I think people swing pendulum and I am not about just letting them walk all over you. It's about setting those boundaries and being clear on your values. Define your values right now. Mm. Like you were just saying, we want them to be kind. Mm. Asking a child, even a child is that, was that the right thing to do versus was that the kind thing to do? Mm. Children can figure out what a kind thing is the right thing. What does, what does that, that mean? mean? Yeah. Right? So establish what your boundaries and start or your values and start teaching them values. Now, the other thing is start giving them a sense of agency and independence. Now, mm. give them the chance to try things on their own. Give them the opportunity to fail 
give them space to make bad choices. Prevent. Well, some, some parents are probably like rolling over right now. Like what? <laughs> I know, but here's what the thing is. If we don't give them the chance now to learn how to do things. And the only way we learn how to do things is to do it poorly first. Right. Which mm -hmm. includes making choices. We're going to make them poorly where there's things we're going to fail, but the best way to learn is to practice it. And the best way to practice it is and the best way to learn is by learning by how did we do it before and what we can do differently, right? So rather than shaming them for what they did wrong, encourage them on how to do it differently next time. Yeah. By the time they're teenagers, they've got this stuff hardwired. Yeah. And you're not fighting it now because now you're expecting them to do it, but never gave them the opportunity to learn how to do it. Right. That's why teens are so frustrated because all of a sudden, almost overnight, we're like, okay, you're a teenager. You should know all this. Well, it took, takes years to learn how to do, how to make good choices, how to problem solve, how to regulate our emotions. And adults still don't adults even know. Adults suck at it because they never learned how They're to dead. do it. Right. 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 So if we start helping our younger kids learn how to do it, by the time they get into adolescence, we're not going to have this big kid that's not able to do it. Yeah. Um, so we can prep and just look at it from this aspect of if we go into adolescence with hope and with excitement and saying this is a cool year or a cool stage, guess what? It's a really cool stage. Yeah. I ha I have a teenager. It's awesome. In some ways, I'm I'm actually excited about it because I feel like there there are certain things of just knowing, you know, I'm I'm learning. I'm, I mean, parenting and marriage to both are great personal development experiences, right? right? <laughs> and so I'm learning so much about myself as a parent. Um, and and I'm realizing I I actually enjoy. The, or I should say, or I think um, that I, I will enjoy the, the older years, like the kid, like I, like, don't get me wrong. Like I love the stage that my kids are at right now and they're young and, and just, just toddler stuff. And, you know, heck I had my kids over 40, you know, I waited a long time to, to be a mom and have kids and, and experience all this stuff. So I love it. And I'm relishing in all those moments um, even like last night, you know, David's David's sick, Charlotte. I don't know. I mean, I literally was up like six times in the middle of the night. Like I did not get sleep. And you know what I wrote in my book of gratitude that more like this morning was I'm so grateful. I get to wake up in the middle of the night and take care of my kids because mm. not every parent gets to do that. You know, some are sick and some are in the hospital, some have passed away, you know, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Right. So, or some are not home, they're wherever. So, um, so I'm grateful for that. So I'm grateful for where they are, um, but I'm kind of excited for them to be older, just to have a, that, that different men, that different kind of conversation, it's you know, so the different fun. kind of thing yeah. that you talk about with them. It you know? is, yep. It is, it is. You get to have these really cool conversations. There's things that you learn from them that they learn and you're like, Ooh, teach me, you know, that you yeah. didn't know about. So you get to do that. And I mean, my daughter's amazing. And I don't mean like, Bleh. I'm just saying this because this stuff works. Yeah. <laughs> my daughter's amazing help around the house. Yeah. And you know, most of the times we do it together. It's not, you got to go do this. It's like, Hey, let's go 
clean up the dishes, right? Or I'll, I'll wash you dry. And all of a sudden, it's not about me forcing her to do this. It's actually using that as another time to connect and talk and, yeah. you know, and I'm teaching at the same right. time. And so it's not a, you do this. It's a, we do this. And my goal is to teach her to do it. And that's creating, that's achieving that goal. Yeah. I mean, you just made me think too. Um, yeah. Cause like family time after dinner doesn't have to be some kind of event. The family time could be, let's clean up the kitchen together. Let's put away the yeah. food. Let's clean the dishes, put away the toys. And also uh, what also came to mind is like doing it together um, you can teach that at an early age with just picking up the toys, like helping them learn to clean up after themselves, but not make this for a three-year-old to see a room full of toys. Like, I mean, she does not, she's not going to know what to do. Like, right. No. But like you yeah. help, you do it together. You show, you teach and, and how that can... pick up all the red stuff. stuff okay. Let's yeah. see how many red things we can pick up. It's a game. It's a game. Right. Yeah. And then you teach them skills too. Cause it's like a thing that's so overwhelming. It's like, go pick up three red things. Yeah. It's not a game. And they, now they know. Yeah. And so it is, you know, and I'm saying this like, Oh, it's so it's not easy. I'm it's not that. And we're exhausted right. and we're tired. And this is not about you're doing this wrong. It's about, there's other things that you can do. And when you choose how you show up, that's when things change. When right. we expect other people to show up differently, particularly our teens, and we expect them to show up differently without us changing how we show up, it's not going to happen. Yeah. It's so not if we end want well. to change the dynamic with our teen, the fastest way to do that is to change our side of the dynamic. And more conversations that I have with, you know, people like you and, and the various guests we've had on, um, you know, on the podcast or just in various masterminds and just working with people. It is amazing how everything comes back to self, right? I mean, it's really how we started this podcast. I mean, it used to be called the one relationship because it's, it comes down to first the relationship you have with yourself to then how your relationships project out to, to the other people in your life, yeah. whatever relationship that might be. And, um, and, and, you know, and we've since evolved and, and so now we're, we're family OS, but, um, but it's really true, you know, like it's, it comes to down to self and many people don't want to look at are internally afraid of what they may see. But if I can, you know, just encourage the, the parents listening, like, do that and do that for the sake of your children. You know, if you want your children to be well off, we know you love them, you know, yeah. do, do that for them. Like do some of the work for yourself so that you can continue to be that positive, good example uh, to your kids because, or for your kids, because like it, it will make a difference. And it's not easy. Like it's really not easy. And sometimes it sucks. <laughs> it, it, it can suck a lot. And I, I think, you know, one of the things too is that when we get caught up in our emotions and this like feeling of victim and feeling like they're against us, we teach them that same mindset. Mm -hmm. And so this is what we're doing is we're modeling this behavior. And so a lot of the behavior we get back is exactly what we've modeled for them. Mm -hmm. And when we start modeling, taking responsibility and accountability for how we're showing up, 
and we model taking care of ourselves and we model establishing boundaries for ourselves, that's how we're teaching our kids. And that's what we want for our kids. Yeah. And then they're able to do that. And so I think so many of the problems we're seeing is because we keep passing on these really bad habits and these bad self-talk and negative self-talk. And so we spend our whole adulthood trying to overcome this hardwiring negative self-talk that established, guess what, when we were teens, because that's when it gets established, right? So mm -hmm. why don't we work on it while we can still help our teens create that positive, self-affirming, you know, mindset right now that's going to help them become contributing kind people in the world. Yeah. And, and sort of in closing, um, th this sort of leads into just that so many teens are dealing with some level of mental health that's going on. Right. So we, yeah. we hear constantly about bullying and the depression and the anxiety and the suicide thoughts. And I mean, just, there's so much that these kids are going through and dealing with that, uh, seems to be paramount from so many decades ago. Um, and even now more so with all the ramifications that are coming out of the pandemic. So maybe just, just some, some just insight from your experience of like this, this approach to your children, you know, starting early on and, and certainly in talking with your, your teens, like how does this also help them set, like set them up to be mentally healthy? Yeah. So here's the big thing. Um, mental health has been on a steady decline long before the pandemic. Mm. I think a, it's really come into the daily nomenclature right now because of this past year. And I think we, we just can't, it's in our face. We can't ignore it anymore. Um, but I think so many of the um, issues and the reasons that mental health has been deteriorating, and this is based on what I've, my research and what I've seen, is because we are so caught up in this go, 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 go. And we're, we're trying to set our kids up for success by signing them up for all these things, right? And we're carpooling and we're doing this and we're doing that. Unfortunately, it's at the expense of the one most important thing for healthy child development, which is a strong connection with their family. Mm. And so we, I, people don't have time for family dinner. People don't have spend time with their kids. Like they'll go, weeks without having conversations because they're too busy, but they're driving them stuff and doing them to stuff. And what they found was during the pandemic, for the families that were able to use that time to slow down and to connect, mm -hmm. mental health actually improved in wow. those teens. Improved. And so my hope is that people will learn from that and say, okay, once things are open up again, we're going to make the decision, despite what society has told us is the right thing to do, which society, random society does not know what's best. It just goes without thinking of the consequences, right? 100%. We're going to make the choice to prioritize what's most important for our kids, which is a connection with us. Yeah. Because if we want them to go out into the world and be contributing adults, 
It's not about straight A's. It's about self-confidence and self-esteem and being able to know how to contribute and being acknowledged and having that conversation and support from your parents. Yeah. Bar none. Family. I mean, yeah, it's my Tanner and I do what we do because it really, it's so much, so much starts just in the family, right? Like your family, this is, this is where these kids are, are starting um, life. And so, and, and for, look, you know, for, for any, anyone listening where like the family life, isn't that great right now? Like, yeah. okay. You know, except that we've all made choices. Maybe it's choices of other people, whatever the circumstances are, accept it. But you have, you have the choice though, to make sure that you are still doing everything that you possibly can that is in the best interest of your children, yourself, like, and, and the family that you want to create, you know, and, and yeah. Tanner and I, that's what we want. We want to help families have an intentional future and not live by society standards and this default yeah. of what, you know, everyone thinks is, is like the right way and the okay way to be. Uh, a lot of times the best way for your family is to be counter to the culture. Yeah. And I learned that, I learned that from uh, a, a very amazing mentor of, of ours, Bo Eason. He said, go counter to the culture. Mm-hmm. And Tanner and I have been committed to going counter to the culture. And I've been doing that for quite some time. And uh, amazing. yeah. Takes even- a lot of pressure off too, because I think yeah. we're get, we're trying to guess. There's so much and we're always trying to guess what the right thing is. And so we do all of it because we don't know what the right thing is. And Mm -hmm. so what you and I are saying is you don't need to worry about what the right thing is because we're telling you what the right thing is based on years and years and years and years and years of research and, and everything else is that slowing down and spending time connecting is going to have a far bigger impact on your teen's mental health, your child's mental health yeah, than any of these other things that you're scurrying and trying to fit in to do. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Dr. Cam, thank you for being here. Sure. You know, and, and yeah, this is uh this is a, a it's, it's a, an important topic. It's a heavy topic um, because you know, these parents are, are out there and, and so many feel like they are in over their heads. Mm -hmm. I know I've certainly felt that way at times. Um, but just take a deep breath and just here's, here's some great advice I get from Matthew Kelly author. I love, and I I've read many of his books, not all of them, but many of them. Um, and he says, just do the next best thing. Mm -hmm. So don't worry about all the stuff tomorrow, next week, a year from now, like we can get ourselves in such a tizzy and why we, we are, you know, an anxious society, just, just make the next best decision. What's the next best choice for you to do? Just do that and keep doing that. And that will have a a snowball effect. So, um, yeah. So Dr. Cam, thank you so much for being here and, and being a part of the family OS podcast, ask Doc dr dr cam mm-hmm. for your Absolutely. website we'll make sure everything is linked up to in the show notes and uh we appreciate all that you do keep uh keep helping those families and and those teenagers absolutely thanks kate thanks for listening to this episode of the family os podcast 
We have a special gift that we'd love to give you. Text us the word POD, P-O-D, to 720-459-4219, and we'll text you back. Until next time.